if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 22 through uh, 38. And we're going to do things just a little bit different this morning. I'm just going to try something, so, so bear with me. Um, if you haven't been here before or, or you've grown accustomed to the way we've kind of done things, we're, we're just going to do things a little bit different over these next two weeks as we uh, kind of focus in on the Advent season. We're a little bit late to it. Typically, that's kind of four Sundays long. We're doing two Sundays long leading up to Christmas Eve. Um, and what we're going to do in our time as we look at our text is we're just going to look at a, a sentence that that draws from the text clarity of here's what God is doing. And so really that sentence, what, what I'm just going to really drive home and what we're going to talk about together is that God is at work in our waiting for his glory. And so if you're someone who's an overachiever like me, you can fill in the blank and be done. And you're all good. And then your attention is drawn more to our dialogue here. But really what we're going to do is just something different there. So as we look at this, before we get to our passage, all of my life, let me just share this with you. I have never really been a fan of Christmas. Um, and, and that is not always the safest thing to communicate. It's not always accepted in all circles, but I've just never really been a, a big fan of the, of the season. Okay, spoiler alert. Um, I, I'm the one who's always more been the one who says, let's wait until it hits December that the Christmas music comes on and the decorations go up. Anything outside of that is heresy. Okay. I just don't, don't really like it. And I remember getting a Christmas tree, even as a little boy with my family, we would go and we would get a Christmas tree. I was the one wandering off in the fields, not really interested. And I remember laying on the couch, very disinterested that I had to put at least one ornament on for my mom to say you were involved. And even the Christmas music, I was against it. So starting in September, or maybe if you're, if you're really into this season, it, it really starts for you in August that you start playing some of that Christmas music, God help you. But really for me, I, I'm not a fan of this. I, I'm really not. And, and, and some of these more puffy seasonal things are, are not my taste. That's why, honestly, I, I tend to um, humorously but somewhat honestly kind of pull rank with our worship team. We're, we're not going to do Christmas songs until December. I don't want to see anything in November, none, none of that Christmas stuff yet. But, but there's good truth in that, but it's the busy seasonal stuff. So, so then we get to the busy seasonal stuff and it's that time of year where we spend the money we don't have for things we don't want to please the people we don't really like, okay? So, so that's kind of part of our season and, and then in the midst of all of that, there's the waiting, which is the very best and yet worst part, especially in our culture. And so Friday, we spent a bulk of the day with our 11-month-old son, don't ever do this, most of the time in the car, in lines, in the chaos, okay? And then we did some of it Saturday because we weren't done being tormented. And so that's kind of some of the Christmas stuff that, that we're experiencing. And so I don't, I don't long for this. I don't like this season, but no Christmas will ever compare to how I learned waiting, how I learned patience, and how I just got to experience the heart of God like last Christmas. So, so this season really isn't one that I'm, I'm fond of. I'm not like, hey, let's go get the tree. Let's go do this. We ate the turkey. Let's do this. I'm not that guy. I, I will not be that guy. But yet last Christmas, things really changed for us because Micah was due, my son, was due on December 20th. 
And when we're talking about waiting, this was one of the most difficult and incredible seasons of learning patience when my son was born because he did not decide to come on December 20th. So I remember teaching our Christmas Eve service, you know, and my wife's four days overdue. So I'm teaching Christmas Eve and in my head while I'm trying to be present and and share the gospel in our Christmas Eve service, I'm also kind of wondering, am I going to have to leave mid-message to go and take my pregnant wife to the hospital. And so there's this season and then come home and nope, he's not ready yet. So there's more waiting. And then on January 3rd, so so if you're not a mathematician, that's 14 days, okay? He got cozy. And so after 14 days at 5.30, in the morning, my wife wakes up with some mild labor pains. And so we, we go into the birthing center in Mount Vernon. We, we go and we talk to them. And I'm like, is this it? Is this the day? What, what's going to come of this? How's this going to go? And, and, and they just kind of give us the, the answer of maybe yes, maybe no, keep waiting. And I said, you're cruel. This is not fair. And then around 1 p.m. that day, we're at home. I mean, we're trying everything, everything to get this kid out because at this point, at, at two weeks past the due date, there is no lovingly wooing. We want you in this family. It's just get out, okay? <laughs> There's your eviction notice. We're knocking on the tummy. Come on, let's go. And, and, and at this point, we're, we're, we're just awaiting. We're, we're, we're just, come on. We're, we're gonna do anything we can to see you come into this family. And I mean, we, we tried everything. And then later that day at 5.30 p.m., we went to, back to the birthing center for a second time for what was obvious to the, well, humorously, what was obvious to the doula and to my wife, Shauna, was that it was, it was going to be that time where he was coming. And I was not aware at all. I mean, I even, I even scheduled for someone to fill in for me that day of preaching. And, and, but yet in the midst of that, I had no clue. I just knew we were waiting. And then 8 a.m. the next morning when it seemed like things were not going along. So, so now we're farther than 24 hours into this. They, they decided that it was time to transfer to Island Hospital. And I'll just be honest with you. I thought we'd always be waiting. I thought he'd still be in the tummy. And, and, and because it was unknown, we, we had not yet experienced him being a part. And I just remember my wife laying on the bed at the birthing center and me praying over her and, and just praying uh, that God would just re- bring relief in the midst of this. He would bring resolve and, and, and that he would watch over our son. He would watch over my wife. And, and in this, there was a lot of time of patiently waiting and, and to the point where we just had to trust in God. And, and so then we went to Island Hospital right after I prayed for her. We got in the car and, and, and it, it felt like eternity, okay? Because if you're going to drive for 30 minutes on a bumpy road with a pregnant woman who's laboring in the car, it's not gonna end quickly, okay? And, and so we, we go to Island Hospital from Mount Vernon to Anacortes and from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 4 p.m., there was waiting, there was testing, there was assessing, there was all of this. And then finally, they said, we're going to go in and go into surgery and pull him out. And at that point, there was some relief. Because then we're like, okay, the the end is near. We're going to see him. We're going to experience him. And then finally, at 4.31 on January 4th, he was born. And we have a picture up on the screen, I think, um, of him. And uh, so... 
So that was, that was me with him and, and just an opportunity to just go, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. The waiting is over because there was a lot of angst in that, but all the waiting was worth it. All of the waiting was worth it. And, and as we look back, we see how God was in the midst of all of that. He was at work in all of that. And so for us, as we, as we prepare this season in all the ways that we do of, of the Christmas busyness, for me, nothing pales in comparison to how I, I really got to see what it's like to await a child, to wait for a child's birth. And this is where we see Israel at. They're, they're awaiting their Messiah. And where we pick up is after Jesus is born, after this time, they, they take Jesus to the temple for the time where he would be presented. And in this time, the wait is over. And we see two, two characters that for them, not only the wait of, of knowing, but seeing brings a lot of resolve in their heart. But, but when it comes to waiting, you and I do not come about this easily. I mean, we're not born with the ability to wait. Patience is not at the forefront of our mind. For some of us, it's easier, but for a lot of us, it's really difficult. And the ability to wait patiently comes with maturity. It comes with maturity, and and it's also something that we need to work towards developing because waiting is not something that just happens on its own, but it's a discipline that's learned and that we grow up in. And so in our text, what we're going to read here is we see two people who spent their lives waiting for God to send Jesus. And after the birth of Jesus, we, we see that the wait is finally over. But, but in the midst of it, they also understand the, the wait that they have to do after, the wait that is in regards to Jesus' return. And so we're going to read Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what it said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And here's the, here's the piece that I never caught before that he tells Mary. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years 
having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at, the very, at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So the, the first part of our, of our sentence as we're, as we're looking at what we see from this text and what we see from Simeon's life is that God is at work. And one of the ways that we really see God at work in our own lives and, and even before many times in the lives of the Israelites is how he is and was constantly in pursuit of us. I mean, even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, he remained faithful. I mean, how, how God in, invites the people of Israel to draw near to him and, and even when they refused. And, and so we see this in, in the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 21, it says, the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. And Moses was one of the only ones who was willing to draw near an intimate relationship with God and responded to that invitation. And out of that really produced a deep relationship between God and Moses. And we see later in, in Exodus thirty three fifteen that there he says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. So Moses really longed for relationship with God. And we could list numerous others that God really pursued in a deep relationship throughout the Old Testament. We see this with Job and Samuel. We see this with Elijah, Daniel, and Isaiah. And, and in the last book of the Old Testament, it really summarizes God's character and his pursuit of his people and, and, and our response because in Malachi chapter one, verse two, it says, I have loved you, says the Lord. I have loved you. But you say, how have you loved us? See, it's, it's this sad truth that so many people don't even realize how much God loves them. How much God is at work in the midst of their lives, even when chaos is just all around us, not just in this Christmas season, but in all of these times. It's so sad how people really view God as, as this judgmental, distant old man who, who just wants someone to sit with them and play checkers. Okay? So, so this is how people have a tendency to view God and believing that he's distant, not understanding how much he has pursued his people and how much he desires a close relationship with him. And, and, and even though we've rebelled and, and we've pursued our, our own sin and we've fulfilled our own interests, his desire is to possibly be as close as possible to us. And so his pursuit of us never wavers. And even though we reject him, he continues to love us, continues to love us, continues to pursue us. And one of the beautiful truths about the Bible, about what we see of God's character is that although we are trying to pursue God and even in our inconsistency, it's always been God reaching out to man, not man reaching out to God. It's always been God who's made the first move. And our reaching back to him is only a response to how he's been in pursuit of us. And this is what we see from Simeon. 
that he, that he really understood God was at work in the midst of what no one else could see. No one else knew the day or the hour or the time when the Messiah would come. And, and Simeon then says, looking at Jesus, my eyes have seen your salvation. He, he then sees and understands God's at work in all of this. God's in pursuit of his people. And in physically seeing Jesus face to face, Simeon saw God at work. He saw him at work in the imperfect waiting of his people, even in the midst of our lack of faithfulness in the waiting, he was at work. And so what we see both from Simeon and Anna is this faithful waiting as God is at work. And so as we see that God is at work, we see the next part of our sentence is really that God is at work in our waiting. And waiting on the Lord It's not an easy process. Waiting on the Lord is the process of seeking out the God who pursues us perfectly. So even in our imperfection, we're in pursuit of the one who is perfect. And I think that the important piece about waiting that we often forget is that what God does in us while we wait is as important as what it is we're waiting for. What God does in us is as important as what it is we're waiting for. Because waiting, true biblical waiting, isn't, isn't a passive sitting around, we're just gonna stay right here, but it's an active waiting. Because those who wait are those who work. Because they know that their work is not in vain. That their following of Jesus is not in vain. So waiting is the, the confidence and the hope, the disciplined pursuit of the faithful God. And we see this in the examples of both Simeon and Anna. I mean, Simeon was called a righteous man. So that means that he lived a life of faith and obedience. So as God is at work, he's not only at work in, in, in sending the Messiah to the people, but he's at work in Simeon's waiting. And so we see this. And like us, Simeon was not a perfect person. He wasn't the Messiah. The only one who was perfect was Jesus who lived with flesh and bone like we did, but he walked in the way of the Lord and he walked in a deep pursuit of him. And he was also called a devout man. So we see his faithfulness. We know the longing of his heart was not after what his own life would produce, but he was focused on God, what God would do in him, what God would do through him. And so those like Simeon, those who are in waiting, undergo this this sort of refining in their lives. For those of us who understand that God's at work in our waiting, understand and, and begin to pursue God in such a way that the things of this world fade in their attraction. So in our waiting, it's not just sitting around in the midst of our stuff, but but positioning ourselves in a way where we work towards pursuit, where we are constantly in pursuit of God, allowing the things of this world to fade, their attraction to be no more. And so we see how faithful Simeon was in this, and and also from, from Anna. I mean, we see this practical outworking of her longing and the way that she stayed near to the temple in Jerusalem. I mean, that's faithfulness. So if she's going home, it's to to eat quickly or or sleep, but to return to the temple. She's waiting faithfully. And any careful study of the Old 
Testament and the, and the prophets in there reveal that Jerusalem is really the epicenter of the, of the redemptive plan of God on earth. And so what we see is this faithfulness in the midst of waiting. I mean, if someone was to ask Anna, there, there is no answer of here's when God's gonna send the Messiah. Here's what I know. But what she did in the midst of waiting was as important as what she was waiting for. And so instead of retiring to a nice cozy place, because remember, she's an older woman, she's a widow who could have just gone off to a place and, and be retired, she chose to worship and serve God and to fast and to pray, not, not wavering from the space where she was waiting. And so church, for us to ask ourselves in this season, in your waiting, what's the object of your attraction, of your affection, so what are you focused on in this season? What's, what's grabbing your attention? What's grabbing your affection? Are you focused on, on him and, and in pursuit of him being Jesus in such a way that the things of this world are fading in their attraction? Because what God does in us while we wait is as important as what it is we're waiting for. And so God desires, as he is at work in our waiting, he really desires to see us pursue him in the way that he first pursued us. And so we see that God is at work in our waiting. And the final part of our sentence is that we see God is at work in our waiting for his glory. Not for ours, but for his glory. And Simeon ends his time with Mary and Joseph, not on a high or happy note, but, but on a sad note, a, a truthful, hopeful note, but with, with some sadness there. And we see in verse 35 that we read that he said, a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. There's, there's some difficulty in that. And so let me just remind you, church, don't, don't use that verse to speak some truth or, or tell moms the bad news in their pregnancy. I mean, here's Simeon is speaking some prophecy and he's speaking truth. And I cannot imagine how difficult that must have been. I remember announcing uh, the fact that, that we were expecting Micah in Mount Vernon at CTK in Mount Vernon before we transitioned out here. And I remember all of the gals that would go up to Shauna and try and tell her the things, but they were never telling, oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. They would tell all the horror stories. So don't do that. Don't, don't, don't think that you've got Simeon's knowledge, his, his prophetic word here. Okay. Cause I remember all the weird things that, that weren't truth. There were, there were things that were really hard to process. And in fact, one time where one gal came up and, and talked with Shauna and was so happy and leaned down and kissed her belly in, in a large group of us. No one can have a straight face in that kind of atmosphere. That was the most interesting thing ever. But how Simeon does this, much different than people giving their opinion, Simeon is making them aware that the gospel of good news is in process of completion. And so what that means as Simeon communicates to Mary and Joseph is that God is at work in your waiting for his glory. So showing them, here's, here's the focus. And the reason why he does this is not only to communicate this book, but out of him being filled with the Holy Spirit, that he communicates that only God can and will get the honor and the praise for reconciling us 
to himself through the completed work of Jesus on the cross. So what that means for you and I, as we see God work in our waiting for his glory, is that bringing glory to God is all about us pointing ourselves towards him, especially in this season. And I'm not arguing that, that Christmas is a Christian holiday where, where this is what the season's about. Most of the origins you can find in, in paganism, but you can in a lot of things. But my point is in our whole lives, and especially in this season, where consumerism is at its finest, that we would pursue God, that we would see how he is at work in our waiting for his glory. And like Simeon and Anna, that in a way that, that our attention, our affection, and our, satisfaction, and our satisfaction would be on him, not on ourselves. That our satisfaction would be on him. I mean, one of the most difficult parts about Christmas is all of us hope to be satisfied in the gift we get, but right? We're spending the money we don't have to get the things we don't really want to satisfy the need of, of someone who really doesn't have that need. But, but the greatest thing that we actually need, maybe not that you want at all times, but the greatest thing that you need is Jesus. The greatest thing that you need is Jesus. And what we see in verse 28 from Simeon is that he not only embraced and, and was satisfied in seeing Jesus physically, but also in seeing that God's work after all the waiting was he was at work for his glory. And we see that in verse 28 when he says, then he took him into his arms and blessed God. So he received Jesus and gave glory to God. Not, not look what I'm doing through my gift of, of prophetic word, but look what God is doing through Jesus for his glory. So church, let's, Let's stop for a moment. Forget the lines, forget the gifts, forget the family gatherings, forget figuring out what you're gonna do this Christmas if you're an unprepared like me in that regard. So let's stop for a moment and let's realign and reposition ourselves in such a way that we would become followers of Jesus that wait upon him. That as we see God at work, how he has already sent Jesus and he is gonna send him again, that in our waiting, it's for his glory. So my, my prayer this season is that together we would just become those who wait upon the Lord, seek him with all of our hearts and, and, and really make him the object of our worship. That we would really make him the object of our worship. Not, not leaning towards what we want, but pursuing what we need. Because God is at work in our waiting for his glory. So my prayer is that we would, we would just pursue him who is at work. That we would wait upon him for his glory. Let's pray.